Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Father, as we come around your word, I do ask, Lord, that you help me today, Lord, to um, reflect, Lord, you correctly, Lord Jesus, and Lord, Lord, what you put into my heart, I will be able to translate out in a way, Lord, that will help your people and, and encourage them and strengthen them, Lord, and that your name will be honored above all, God. And we thank you again for your salvation. We thank you for your word, your eternal word that speaks a better word over our lives, God. And we do bless you and we love you and we thank you for this time together in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, the last couple of weeks, we looked at the final um, days of Christ's ministry on earth. As you remember, the four Gospels, as I told you, have combined a number of 89 chapters between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is just a little bit of a recap because I, I want to stay with this sort of uh, chronological life of Christ um, right into today. So we have the 89 chapters of your four Gospels. One third of them are dedicated to the week before Christ's death and leading up to the death of Christ. So as I said to you a few weeks ago, the Gospels are like one long, long introduction to the Passion Week. So it's all the build-up to why Christ came. The whole reason Christ came was to go to the cross. That's what it was. It was to, it was to pay a debt to God that we could not pay. We were, we were sinners. We, we were blemished. We couldn't even offer ourselves for a sin. It wouldn't be acceptable. And, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We can read those scriptures and it can just fly over our heads. But it, it, I want to tell you one thing this morning. Whatever view you have of God, if it's not a, of a loving God, then you have a wrong view of who he is. God is love. And he sent forth the son of his love, Jesus. So, and, and Jesus and the Father covenant together to bring redemption to mankind. Because God loves you so much, he doesn't want one hair of your head to, to perish and Jesus said, I will take their punishment to me. I will pay what they owe to the justice of God. And that's what the whole life of Christ is about. The laying down of his life. Without the laying down of his life, friends, there would have been no salvation. There would be no way that fallen mankind could come into the presence of a holy God. You would try, you may try the, all manners of ways. People say there's many ways to God. I want to say there's not. That's a lie. When people say there's loads of different paths to God, there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And that is the gospel. The gospel means good news. By the way, we're evangelical, which comes from a Greek word, which means good news. So we are... We are purveyors and, and spreaders of the good news that God made a way. Amen. It's not bad news. It's good news that there is a way and it's been made for you and at such a dear cost to Christ. So we, we looked at the life of the Christ. We saw his triumphant entry towards the end of his ministry into Jerusalem and how quickly the crowd began to sour because he wasn't the sort of Christ that they wanted. That's the same today. People don't want this Christ you know, they want their own version of religion. They want a kind of Frank Sinatra version of, of religion. I did it my way. Well, see, you know, live another 20 years and tell me how far that gets you. Amen. But I want to tell you, time is running out. You know, there's time to start giving up your way. 
There's time for you to start considering that you're not able to help yourself. And you know, the very minute that you begin to receive that, you start to pour scorn upon your pride, which is the worst part of our character, friends, and begin to say that I'm as, I'm as weak as the next man. I'm as needy as the next person. And if God doesn't work a miracle in me, I will still be the same person in 20 years' time. And I want to tell you this morning with great joy, I've got good news for you. God wants to do a miracle in you. Amen. It's called a miracle of the new birth. He wants to bring, he wants to send the power of the Holy Spirit into your very carcass, into your very being, and bring the life of God with that. And so that's the gospel. We looked at how Christ goes to Jerusalem, and he's there for a week teaching in the synagogue, and he's uh, cleansing the temple, and all these things happen. But then we see him eating a Passover meal, and we see a betrayal, and then we see a trial, and then we see a crucifixion. And again, I don't want it to escape you because just a couple of days ago, we showed the Passion of the Christ movie. It was very dramatic. It was very graphic. It, it, there was times I wanted to get up and go up because it's, it, it vexed my spirit to such, such awfulness. It, it, it did something in me, but I want to tell you, that's the reality. The cross would provoke in you reactions. The, 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 the cross of Jesus provokes, it doesn't leave you passive. It doesn't. It doesn't leave you on defense. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. He doesn't give you the luxury of a middle ground. Amen. And so the gospel will always provoke either a yes or no. He's either God incarnate and died for you or he's a lunatic. Now you make up the decision. I know where, what my decision is. And when I made that decision, he came in with all his power and brought a new life brought forgiveness of sins, amen, brought order where there was disorder. And that's the testimony of every true Christian. No matter what denomination, every true Christian who has been born again in the Spirit of God attests the very same event, that somewhere in their life they opened the door to Christ, repented of their sin, the Holy Spirit came in, and that's all she wrote, amen. Everything changed after that. What a life. What a privilege for you and I. What a hope. We looked last week at Luke's gospel, chapter 15, in the light of the resurrection. Because not only was there crucifixion, there was a resurrection from the dead. And Luke 15 was three great parabolic parables about things that were lost. And we saw that the Greek word there, the, 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 the Arabic word there, actually for lost means, means dead. We saw, we saw a lost coin, we saw a lost sheep, we saw a lost son. A dead sheep, you could say a dead coin, a, a dead son, in the sense that can't be found. You know, we used to say, in, in old English, they would say, if someone died at sea, they would say he was lost at sea. And so it's a parabolic because everything has a deeper meaning than just a woman found a coin and a sheep that was found by a shepherd and the son just came back. Okay, it's not, it's not these cutesy little stories that Jesus has tried to convey to you. They're fascinating and people liked the sort of folklore back then. They, they liked the sort of storytellers. That was very similar to the Irish where we had the Shanog and he would tell the old stories of Ireland and people would sit around the, the peat fire as he would talk about the old sheep up in the mountain or whatever it might be. The Jews were the same, but Jesus was much more precise in what he was trying to say. Everything that Jesus said was weighted and vitally important. That's why it's written down for us, friends, for our admonishment, for our encouragement, for our instruction, you know, to, to give us a pattern of life. And we saw that Jesus is actually talking about resurrection. So we saw that the power of Christ's resurrection is not only just about Christ rising from the dead, but it gives hope to your mortal body. It gives hope to your life. 
It gives hope to your marriage. It gives hope to your wayward children. It gives hope to your finances. It gives hope to your health. Because of the resurrection, we have a living and abiding hope. So all these things, if you can follow me this morning, are collating into a journey. The journey of the life of Christ, everything was purposed. Everything was weighted. You know, I spoke to someone recently. I said, Jesus talked about, about that. I said, I asked this person, I said, why do you think he went to Calvary and died? And there was a moment of stare because when you ask someone that who hasn't been born again, they don't really quite grasp why he came and he died. But he had to die. He came to die. Amen. But he said, unless the seed of corn falls in the earth it ab- and dies, it abides alone. Talking about himself. But when he went into the earth and rose again, hallelujah, he brought many souls to ransom, the Bible says. He brought many souls into the kingdom. And you and I are just a mere drop compared to the millions upon millions throughout the ages. And even today, the tens of millions that have been swept into the kingdom of God. The Bible says from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. That means the word forceful is ruach. It's like by the spirit, by the same spirit that hovered over the deep of the earth. The power of God, the spirit of God is still moving upon the hearts, the hard hearts of men and women, women convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And so we saw that hope of the resurrection, this overwhelming event. You know, Jesus' resurrection, friends, it was phenomenal. The apostle Paul tells us that... Uh, He's, he's, he, let me read you what Paul says. He says, I pass on to you the most important and what, you have, what has been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead, and on the third day, just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. Then he... Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul talks here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. So even after the, after the resurrection, hundreds of people saw him. And there's a period of time, and I want to talk about that period of time this morning. Because in this chronological order of Christ's life, it's important for, you, for us to know. Because unfortunately, not, some of you are not reading your Bibles. And I'm not saying that to smack you like a father, because if I thought the smacking you would make you read your Bible, let's smack you. But I want to just tell you this morning, there's such a richness that when a man or woman stays in the Word and understand what God is saying, you are fitted for the fight. Amen. You're ready for the attack. You're not ignorant of the devil's devices. When people come with false and shallow arguments and false and shallow philosophies, you're able to stand up and withstand them. You're not taken captive by every wind of doctrine. You're not like a double-minded man. The Bible says unstable in all of his ways. And there's a lot of instability within evangelical Christians because there's a lack of knowledge of the truth. And you know, you should know the truth, but you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And so this morning, I would just encourage you, if even mid-year now, we're starting, we're well into the year, uh, there's no more New Year's resolutions for you, but you can say in your heart today, you know, I'm going to make a decision for the Lord. I'm going to at least read one chapter of his book every day, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit as I read it to help me to understand it. I want to tell you the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth, but I just want to tell you, you can't, he won't force you into truth, he'll lead you into truth, Amen. Jesus said to Jerusalem, 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 how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come. What a shame today when you have so many 
anorexic Christians. Unfortunately, not in the spirit. Well, fortunately, even in the physical. But, but you know, spiritually, that are, that are, that are, they're shrinking in their faith. But you want to get faith, friends, you go to the Word of God. And so I want to talk to you on this chronological journey of Christ because you have now, as we just celebrated the Passover, the death, the, the, the trial, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Passover was one of the great feasts of Israel. But the next feast coming up, and I know it's, uh, the reason I'm preaching this to you this morning because I won't be here for Pentecost Sunday. So I, said, I felt from the Lord just to go ahead and preach at Daniel because Pentecost Sunday is not till the 5th of June. So the next major event... Jesus has now risen from the dead. He's appeared to 500 people. There's this period of nearly 50 days, 47 if you do your deductions from, from the time he was crucified. But from Passover to Pentecost is 50 days. And the word Pentecost means 50. It's, it's known in, in, uh, as Shavuot in the Hebrew. It's the festival of weeks. Um, and it's also, sorry, the feast of weeks. And it's also called the first fruits of the harvest. So this next big event in the ministry of Christ is going to be Pentecost. So from he rose from the dead to Pentecost, Christ is ministering to his disciples. He is visiting them and he's working. He's going between heaven and earth. And yet he's visiting for that period of time until the day of Pentecost. And so I want, I, that's what I want to bring you on that journey with us this morning. How Christ, the ministry of Christ... And what he done for us and how he done it. And I pray by God's goodness this morning that you will be blessed by the end of this message. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, that you'll have maybe learned a few things. I maybe corrected some things that you might have heard in the past that are not quite correct biblically. Have you noticed there's about a million YouTubers out there talking about Jesus? Everyone's got an opinion. Everything sounds fine when you just take it. But I want to tell you, be very careful. Because if you don't take things in the context of the whole, you end up in error. Error. Yeah, so you have to be contextual to the Bible. You have to be able to see the story. You have to be able to keep it. I mean, I, you know, some people just pluck a verse out of the Bible, an obscure verse, and build a whole theology off it. I mean, they rarely go to the one that Jesus, Judas went out and hung himself. You know, I've yet to come across a YouTuber who says, oh, we should all just be hanging ourselves. Judas hung himself, so we should hang ourselves. But that's the sort of thinking. You know, they take an obscure verse out, they start a movement, they start a discipleship program, and it is the unlearned. And men and women that are not in the scriptures are easily led and they go astray. And friends, may it not be said of you, there's no need for you to go astray. There's no need for you to fall under the darkness because you have the revelation of the new covenant. You sit in a good church. You have the Bible in front of you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. Amen. And so yours should be a life of the Spirit. Yours should be a life of the fruit of the Spirit. Where your life should be as a Christian, bearing the fruit of love and joy and peace and kindness and meekness and gentleness. And self-control. These are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And if your fruit is defunct, then you need resurrection power. Amen. You need a touch of the Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. He wants to touch you. He doesn't want you to have a miserable existence. He doesn't want you to have an insecure life as a Christian. He doesn't want you staring death in the eye, thinking that my life is wasted and I have amounted to nothing and now I'm going to stand before, the, before God and I'll have no, nothing to offer Him. I want to tell you, He won't let that happen to you. Amen. Amen. He loves you. And sometimes through chastisement, which is painful and disappointment in life, He leads you and He guides you to a place of fruitfulness again. 
So you might be in a desert this morning. I want to tell you, that's fine too. God will bring you out of, out of the desert. Hallelujah. When he's good and ready, you just keep on to your faith and keep trusting him and keep loving the Lord. So when you go to the end of your four Gospels, of course, <clears throat> Jesus is risen, as I said, and he's been a period of 40-odd days speaking to the disciples. Um, then you get to the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, as it's known as. The book of Acts is, you could say, the historical account of the Christian church now. So that's what's happening in Acts. Acts is written by a man called Luke, Luke the physician. Luke was a very educated, well-known man who was actually of a Greek background himself, uh, a Gentile background. And so he is writing as a convert of Jesus, an educated man, a forensic man as well. And actually, the, the, the book of Acts is, is really read by a lot of secular people as well because it gives you an understanding of life and times of the day. Luke's gospel as well, he wrote that. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, everything about Jesus, how he began to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. This is chapter 1. After giving, giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days after suffering, he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He, pro he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. They were eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the disciples were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're going to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses Telling people about everything, from telling people everywhere in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in the cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. So now, just follow me this morning. The death, burial, resurrection. Forty days now he's teaching. He's meeting with his disciples. And then finally, the Mount of Olives. Forty days later, he's taken from them. And his last words to them is to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, these men, as they were with him and they saw the resurrected Christ, that was not going to be enough. It was not going to be enough just to have witnessed miracles. It wasn't going to be enough to even to witness that he himself had risen from the dead and he was who he was, who he said he was. There was going to be needed in the life of every believer because the fight that we fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That we understand as Christians that we live in a world that is full of darkness. Now, men in flesh commit an awful lot of darkness in this world, but there's other nefarious activity going on in the heavenly places that have, from the time of the fall, been affecting this cosmos, this world around us, for evil and setting up antichrist systems. And so, uh, the, God, Christ knew that his 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 followers, his disciples would need to be empowered to be able to resist and to be able to proclaim and to be able to go against every power of darkness because darkness was not going to be passive. 
The enemy is not passive. Satan is not passive. He's seeking, the Bible says, seeking, uh, goes, he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And my friends, you see it today, not just in Ukraine. You see the awfulness of the, the evil of man's hearts and lives, but it's all over our own community. Behind shut doors, there's an appalling amount of abuse that goes on. You know, there's women last night had to barricade themselves into their bedrooms because of a drunken husband that wanted to beat a raper. There's children are fleeing abusers all over our cities. There's men and women that are ripping each other off. There's adultery, friends. There is horrendous stuff going on around deceiving. There's beatings. There's lines. There's awful stuff in our own community. Oh, it's hid behind the door, but it's the heart of all men. And then we see it come into its, into, into its apex of, of uh, you see men going to such levels of depravity. And all these are stoked by powers of darkness. And Christ knew and he said it to his disciples, it's important that I leave you. Because when I leave you, I will send you the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. I'll send you another comforter, he says. And the lovely word another means another of the same kind. In other words, what you see me, you're going to get another of me, the same kind of me. Because we believe in the triunity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's a central doctrine of Christianity. We don't, we're not monetists. We don't believe in this understanding that Jesus was a lower God. Or he was just an angel like Michael. Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. There's a mystery to the unity of God. But it's there in the scripture. Yes, I will send you another of the same kind. And so they're there, and you must remember now, this is 40 days, so Jerusalem still has the memory of who they crucified. There's still a lot of evangelical Jews, you could say, you know, peddling their good news of the Torah, and they're still looking for the disciples of Jesus. They're actually staying quite low-key. They're, they're not sure of themselves in the sense they have no confidence. They're facing overwhelming odds. They're facing a system and a world that is anti-Christ to its very core. And yet they've seen the risen Christ. So it's quite frustrating to see Christ risen from the dead and yet feel so unempowered in yourself. You know, I say that of many Christians. You have seen them. You've seen them through the eye of faith. You've seen Christ move in your life. You've seen Christ touch your life. But yet sometimes it seems also daunting to believe that, the whole, that God could use you in a powerful way. Yet it is the will of God to use you. It's you and I, friends, that God uses to proclaim his gospel. Jesus Christ was in one place in one time, but now he's resurrected. And he's located through the Holy Spirit everywhere there's a Christian. And so the young disciples... Of Jesus are now waiting, and this is the Mount of Olives. So they go into Jerusalem, they find an upper room. The, 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 the number of followers swells to 120. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Other women are there. The, the disciples and apostles are there. There's this, there's this uh, prayerful time where they are praying now. And so there is a 10 day journey. So Jesus, at the 40th day, this is at day 40, he's taken up into heaven in front of them. Then they go wait. 10 more days' time is going to come Pentecost. That's the next huge feast of the Jewish people. They don't even fully understand this is going to be the day of Pentecost. Something's going to happen. All they know is that Jesus has told them to go and wait in Jerusalem. And so they, in, under the instruction in obedience, they went and they waited in Jerusalem. And there they began to pray a 10-day prayer meeting, friends. And of course, in Acts chapter 2, you know, it moves on from Acts chapter 1. Then it says, on the day of Pentecost... 
All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was the sound from heaven like a roaring, mighty windstorm. Woo! Hallelujah. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled in each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Hallelujah. Something of the divine had to happen. It's not good enough just to have an intellectual grasp and even have the right argument. You need to have the power of God, friends. So then when you employ the right argument, the power of God is on that and the words don't fall to the floor. They strike their point. Do you understand? A man that's not a man or a woman that's not a woman of the Spirit, they can say some great, great wisdoms. They can say some great sayings. And Confucius can say some great sayings. And, you know, all these other guys. But I want to say there's no weight to them because there's no power. Oh, you need to be better, brother. Well, tell him something he doesn't know. I always say it's, it's easy to go to a fat guy and tell him to lose weight. Tell him something he doesn't know. Tell him something that, <laughs> tell him something that will bring something of God and inspire him. That's the power. Oh, we, all, we can all offer wisdom, but we can't offer any power with it. We can all diagnose the issues. Oh, we're brilliant at diagnosing the other one, aren't we? We can never quite diagnose ourselves correctly. Have you noticed that one? But we can always tell everybody what they should do with their money, with their time. Yeah, you should do this. You should do that. You should do the other. I'm the worst in the world for doing that. Of course, my wife will tell you that. I'll admit. I'm, 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 but I want to tell you one thing. It's more than just talk. It's power. It's when God steps into the situation and these disciples become fundamentally different men. Can you say amen? amen. They become different men, friends. They, 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 go, they become lions. They, 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 they charge out the door of this upper room and they go down into the marketplace where there's still a bloodlust against the disciples of Jesus, where there's still the memory of just crucifying him a few days earlier, where they have turned their face against it. They want to stamp out anything that looks different to their religious practice or maybe threatens their religious authority and yet they go down in the power of the Holy Spirit, these cloven tongues and begin to speak in other tongues. They go out, I won't read all the context because I have a few more scriptures to give you this morning, but they go into this marketplace and they begin to speak the megalosis of God. They begin to speak in other tongues and people are hearing them in their own language and people are getting convicted and Peter makes a stand. The very man that, that, that actually, you could say, betrayed the Lord and let him down in such a terrible way. The very disciple, the big mouth that said, I will go to Jerusalem and die with you. And he's the very one that, that turns and runs like a, like, like a, like a yellow belly and, and, and curses Jesus with oaths and curses. He doesn't know him. Yet when the Holy Spirit comes upon this weak man, he becomes a lion for Jesus. Hallelujah. He becomes altogether different, friends. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with God. Filled with hope. And he goes on and preaches that great message. And thousands of men and women hear the message of the gospel. And are swept into the kingdom. And the church is born. Hallelujah. That's the start of the church. Acts chapter 2. That's when the Holy Spirit came down. It's the day of Pentecost. It's the day of the first fruits. And the Bible says our Christ was the first fruit from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. It was also the day that the Jews celebrated the giving of the Torah. That was the Jewish law, the first five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. 
You know, that's when they celebrated that, 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 the giving of the law, the giving of the first five books, the giving of the, of the commandments. They celebrated that. But praise God, a new commandment was birthed on Pentecost. Hallelujah. A new law was written, friends. It was the law of love. Hallelujah. To preach the love of God to a broken world. The only thing that does work is love. But it's not the Beatles singing about love because they, you know, they, they, they could only grasp at it. Like hitting at the, the, the blind man's buff. You know, you hear all these rock artists and all these pop singers they talk about love. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about a love that they could never attain. They talk about love you know, they could never give. I don't know about you, but Johnny Depp has just caught my eye the last couple of days watching some of the clips on the news coming in. You know, I'm sure he loved her at one time, but our love is so fickle, so broken. We talk a good talk, don't we? Amen. But I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit came, he brought the love of God into the heart. He brought something from heaven so that you can sustain you because we can love with a love that's not ours. We can love with a supernatural love, the power of love. A new law was written, friends. Holy Spirit came in, empowered them, give them the heart of God. And now all of a sudden, their eyes are being opened, their eyes are their understanding. They understand that I am until God says I'm not. I'm invincible because God's hands upon me. And what can man do to me? And they step into a marketplace, they don't care what people think about them. They've moved far from that. And I hope today that you can move away from what people think about you. I hope that you're not so trained by the Facebook and my tweet and all that sort of places that yet, yet your, 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 your worldview of yourself is what other people think about you. Your image. I want to tell you, friends, there's nothing to do with that. It's about Christ in you. Your identity is that. I'm a Christian. I don't belong to myself. I'm a prisoner. I'm a captive. I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm a captive of hope. And I want you to see this, friends, because I think this is beautifully laid out in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God who has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet aroma or a sweet perfume. Hallelujah. You know you're, you're Christ's captive. You know you are. You, you belong to him. That's good, friends, because you used to belong to somebody else before that and he was not near the master. He was not near the provider. You were captive to another thing before Christ came in. You were captive to sin and to Satan and to death. You had made a bargain there, friends, and the devil was rowing in every penny that he, you, he was owed. But thanks be to God. But I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, this is what the scriptures say. When he ascended to the heights, when he ascended to heaven, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to men. And so I want to leave you closely with this thought this morning. We have the death. We have the resurrection. We have the 40 days of ministering to hundreds. We have the ascension into heaven. Are you following me? You got it all? Are you good with the memory? Into heaven, 10 days waiting in Jerusalem. And then the Holy Spirit falls upon the church. And I've often thought, what was Jesus doing in those 10 days? up in heaven. And here it is. He's, here it is, friends. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says, the tabernacle, talking about the tabernacle of old, was a shadow of the heavenlies. So I want you to think about the tabernacle of old. 
As the disciples are waiting for 10 days on earth, Jesus has gone up to heaven, which is the tabernacle of old was a shadow type of what heaven was. And everybody, the tabernacle in, in Moses' tabernacle, he was told to build everything according to the pattern. And actually, Hebrews 8 talks about that, if you want to turn there later on. The tabernacle basically was a structure that, that God commanded Moses to build in the wilderness. Roughly, I think, 100 meters long by 50 meters wide. 100 feet by 50. And inside was another structure, and, which was divided into two. A holy place and a holy of holies. And this is where the Jews would come and they would bring their sacrifice. So when you went in the east gate, the very first thing you saw was the altar. And so the very first thing the Jews saw when he came, before he ever came into the presence of God, he saw the horror of his sin. Because an animal was, was, was killed and the blood was brought in before the very holy of holies to appease the sin of the people. And the whole idea was to show people the awfulness of sin, of course. And God's anger towards sin. But there was going to come an ultimate blood that would take away the sins of the world. But not the bloods of animals, friends. Not the bloods of sheep and goat could never take away your sins. It was pointing towards the blood of Jesus. So when Jesus arose into heaven, into paradise, because he said to the thief on the cross, today you shall be with me in paradise. And so I want to bring it to you this morning, the coronation of Christ. Where Christ receives again unto himself the glory he had before he came down as a man. And Christ goes to heaven. And in that place of paradise, you have all the saints of old. Abraham is there. We know Moses is there. Enoch is there. Other, Elisha is there. We know of all the saints of old and many, many millions before that who awaited his, the promise, the Bible says, are waiting for him. And you can imagine when the scripture says, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to man. Of course, that scripture is alluring to a conqueror, a, a Roman general that would come back from conquest. And as he would come back after conquering a foreign land or a foreign nation, he would bring with him all the captives, a selection of the captives. He would bring the strong men and the noble men and the wise men. He would bring with him the exotic animals and he'd bring with him the, 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 the treasures of that country. And he, would, and he would line them behind him. This is what the Romans did. And this is what the scripture is alluring to here in Ephesians chapter 4. And he would align them behind him. And he would be on a chariot as he would go into Rome. And they would meander between the outer and the inner wall of Rome. The train would be carried on sometimes for miles and sometimes it would take four or five hours, sometimes even days according to Josephus for some of these, these uh, triumphant processions that would celebrate the victory of a conqueror. So I want you to imagine in heaven as they are praying on earth that Jesus is ceremonially assembling uh, Elijah and Moses and every one of them and say, okay guys, I'm going to lead you. You've been here in paradise I'm, but I'm going to bring you into where the Shekinah is. I'm going to bring you into the Holy of Holies. Amen. You've been in heaven. You've been in paradise. But I want to bring you right into the very place where my Father will welcome you. You've been waiting from antiquity, awaiting from my day, and now it's here. And I want you to see this incredible picture of Christ, the King, the conquering hero, the captain of the host, the Bible says. As he begins to lead all those souls of old friends that have waited for this moment on the very day of Pentecost. 
He brings them in before the very Shekinah of God. Hallelujah. And there he is coronated as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. As the conquerors of, of Roman times came and they would bring on their chariot, they would come up to the Capitoline Hill. They would dismount from their chariot. Then they would walk up to the temple of Jupiter. And there Caesar would greet him. And Caesar would put a crown upon his head and he would sit at the right-hand side of majesty. And I want you to think this is exactly what Paul is saying when he arose and says he led captivity captive. Thank God today you and I are captives to hope. Hallelujah this morning. Amen. We are what Zechariah talks to. I will take you out of the waterless pit. I will bring you home, you captives of hope, you prisoners of hope. Amen. And as he led them in for the first time ever, they're in heaven, they're in paradise, but they're now going into the Shekinah before the throne of God. Amen. And Jesus, the captain of the host, is exalted and sits at the right-hand side of majesty. You can imagine as all the angels of God begin to sing, as you can see all heaven stood to applaud the conquering king who was dead and is now alive and is alive forevermore. You can imagine the heart of the Father when he says to the Holy Spirit, now is the time. Go and fill the church. That's Pentecost, friends. That's 50 days after Jesus died. Well, I want to tell you today, friends, what a glorious gospel. I said, what a glorious gospel. Led captivity captive. He gave gifts to man. The Holy Spirit fell as Christ was being coronated as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine what a celebration in heaven? Hallelujah. The conqueror has returned. Hallelujah. I said the conqueror has returned. He is now seated on the right-hand side of majesty, seated on the throne of God today, friends. And the Holy Spirit, ah, just, just the choreography of heaven. Just the choreography of it, friends. Rome has nothing on it. The Anglican church has nothing on it. I want to tell you the trumpet sounded. And the angels stood and sang. And the saints of old began to sing. Well, when the saints come marching in, I want to be in that number as Christ, the captain of the host, led them in from paradise into the center of the Holy of Holies. And then God the Father, see it, friends, see it, come on. God the Father says, I cannot be contained. And he sends with joy the gift, the promise, the Holy Spirit. You go now, Holy Spirit. And that 120 are simultaneously together at the same time are filled with the Holy Spirit as heaven awaited her conqueror so earth received the Holy Spirit and that is the birth of the Christian church friends a church that was born in power and will end in power that was spirit led and will be spirit delivered amen uh, who, what God, who God calls he justifies and those he justifies them also what he glorifies I want to tell you today friends the Holy Spirit is in you. You need to be listening again and letting yourself be guided and have that ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. You are a prisoner of hope. I said you're a prisoner of hope, friends. Let me read you the exact scripture because this is where I want to put you. You and I are those prisoners this morning. Because of the covenant I made with you. That's Jesus. He made a covenant with the Father. You know that the Jews at Pentecost, also as a practice under the Hellenistic period, they would renew the Noahic covenant. The Noahic covenant was a covenant of grace. 
For those of you who are into your doctrine and your allegories, I want you to see Pentecost, so many things are happening. Not just the coronation, not just the giving of the Holy Spirit, but because of a covenant that's made. The covenant of true grace. The true love, amen. Of God the Father. Because of the covenant that you have made and sealed with the blood of Jesus, I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless pit. Come back to the place of safety. All you prisoners who have hope. And I thank God today I'm a prisoner of hope. And I hope to God today that you can thank him that you're a prisoner of hope. Because you're going to be someone's prisoner. I was once imprisoned by darkness, friends. Controlled by darkness, controlled by a lower mind, a base mind. But thanks be to God who led me in triumphal procession to the cross. And one day we'll cross that sea too, friends, and he will lead us in triumphal procession. That procession is always going on. There's many being added as we talk. Second by second, millions are going into that kingdom, being greeted and brought into the Shekinah of God. But oh, for the Abraham, how he waited to see his day. Oh, for Moses, how he waited to see that day as they lived in paradise and could only but observe possibly. But now the king is here. And he is leading his train. And he is seated in heavenly places. And by faith we are seated with him. And the Holy Spirit has been given. And I want to tell you, whoever downplayed the Holy Spirit as the agent of God to give you success or strength, you end up lifeless and broken because it's too big. The forces are too dangerous, too dark. The enemy is too strong. He's too strong for your intellect. He's too strong for your DNA. He's too strong for your stamina. He's outlasts you. As you get older, you get weaker. Your determination is not as good. Your strength is not as good. But the Holy Spirit still burns strong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Though the outer man is the king, inwardly we are being renewed. High by the Holy Spirit of God. Return from your waters pit, your prisoners of hope. I thank God I'm a prisoner of hope today. And I thank God for Pentecost. And I thank God for the execution of my salvation. Absolutely down to the finest detail. Nothing escaped him. Because it's the plan of his salvation. Can you see amen this morning? Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.